it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian Pigeon Mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Man, I know it's been a while. Not going to really, don't want to really, too much stuff to explain. But I do have Starlink coming um, in 10 days, two weeks. So that'll change a lot of things uh, permanently in the positive. So that'll be good. And then there's things I won't have to worry about anymore. But I needed to do something here to get caught up, or start to anyway. And I do have questions to answer one of which, of course, was if any of my thoughts had really changed on the war in Ukraine with Russia and what's going on there. The answer to that is no. Russia still looks like the victor. A couple of reasons why. One one really big reason is if you look at, uh, for those who have been following the news or if you just start looking stuff up and looking at time periods of activities, it does seem like in some ways there might be slowdowns in the war as far as activity, fighting, how often it happens, the types of reporting they're doing. It's because there's not a lot to report or report that would be positive for what they want the Western world to know. And if you look at the types of actions, it seems like Russia's major offensives with large number of troops have slowed down significantly. They're still doing a lot of the original tactics they were doing early in the war, they kind of went back to that, you know, plus a few months ago, they started ramping up some more serious actions we saw, like when they went after the ports again. And then Ukraine has been doing a lot of drone activity, which has been good for them working out. So they're using drones. They can use drones to bomb, do targets, reconnaissance. They can pilot them remotely, and it doesn't really cost them people. And that's really what they want right now, because what we're down to is a war of attrition. Ukraine doesn't have the fighters to win. They need technology to beat this. They, they need to flip the script on the whole asymmetrical idea and use technology to their advantage. And that's what they're trying to do. Despite Russia having more losses, they have more people to throw numbers at the war. So if it remains a war of attrition, it's not possible for Ukraine to win. The other thing, too, is goes back to what do we call winning. 
Ukraine's idea of winning still in their mind is probably that Russia completely leaves, which is not realistic. They're not going to give up Donbass in that area. So they need to settle with the idea that some of that's going away if they want to stop the fighting. If they're not willing to do that, they'll just lose fighters and have nothing left. So unless somebody wants to go in and back them up, which I think is a foolish idea, it's pretty much a done deal at this point. But we're going into winter. There's a lot we can see. What I would expect to be the same thing we saw next year is that over the winter, Russia will conscript and recruit and train more people, get them out to places like Kaliningrad, get them training, and then they'll get them into that war. Probably come February-ish, give or take, because of the winter thaw. When they want to start moving stuff in there. That'd be my guess. I mean, it could end before then. It'd be great if it did. But I think that's what we're looking at now is it's just a numbers game. You know, that's why when I mentioned like Odessa and saying with all the Russian cultural history, I don't think they're going to go in there and do mass violence. They're going to want to protect that. And then they didn't. When they did go in there, they were just, yeah, let's just shell this place. I think they were starting to see the attrition game at that point and probably decided cultural heritage was a sacrifice in order to win the war and maybe they're trying to send a message we don't care about this stuff we are going to save our people we don't care about the cultural stuff that might be a message they're they're trying to give another thing i got asked though was about nukes i I still don't think they're going to use them there i think that's under they would have used them by now there's no advantage i think i've explained that pretty well but the question is what places what ways in which nuclear weapons could be used So, the thing is, for nukes to be used anymore, I think the only way we'd really see that would be an EMP effect to knock out power, services, and electricity in order to gain a strategic advantage on an invasion. The idea of lobbing missiles is unrealistic. You know, despite the explanations of how that stuff works, I think what we're looking at is the fable of mutually assured destruction. The idea that If you launch nukes, I'll launch nukes, we both lose, people die, we kill the environment, nobody goes home for Christmas. Or if you attack this country, they're my pal, or I think you attacking them is bad, I launch missiles. I don't think that's realistic. It's kind of not because nobody really wants... I think there's a couple countries that would use nukes that don't care. But nobody else really wants to cause that kind of damage, damage the environment, hurt their people. They know that if they use those weapons, they're hurting their own people because of the likelihood that they'll get retaliated. The the realistic option of those weapons is that for a nuclear power to get attacked by nuclear weapons or a very, very close ally they care enough to defend, I don't think they would respond with nuclear weapons. The world wouldn't really question the idea of nuclear weapons being bad and wrong. So, let's say country A has nuclear weapons and they launch them at country B. I think the world would support country B just invading country A. You lose so much from the use of those weapons as far as damage goes, damage to the environment, infrastructure, resources, people, contamination that can go on for generations. And you're going to need to replace some of those things. Why would you 
just cause more of that damage that actually will hurt you and the world when you could just go invade that country and take that stuff. That would be the most likely thing, I think. And a country right now like Russia, people keep thinking they're going to use nukes. Russia's aware of this kind of thing. So, I mean, they could do it, but if they if they used them and we knew a country like us or even China might just go in and take them over. And it would not be hard at this point. I think it was clear shortly after the war began, we learned how quickly the Russian military was not the big bear we thought and how easy that would be. It would definitely be easy now for them to be taken over. You know, like I've always said, China is not the friend people think they are to Russia. And if Russia used nuclear weapons, it'd be China or U.S. most likely would go in and just take them over and say, yeah, you're not doing that anymore. That's the most likely scenario. So the idea of those weapons being used would be more for the EMP effect for invasion. So you'd have to invade a country that's probably smaller, clearly not a nuclear power, that doesn't have friends that are going to care enough. So one example is if we look at what Russia has done and gone into places like Crimea, they got into Georgia, you know, and that was successful for them, but Ukraine hurt them, right? So they want to send a message. They're still probably going to go after other Soviet states no matter how this plays out. They're still, you know, without knowing what other changes happen in the world, they're still going to want to do that. You add on to that the issues of the military strength and manpower. Also the message they want to send to countries to not mess with them as they try to expand what they're doing. One way, one place to see them possibly use would be in a former Soviet state where Russia uses a smaller weapon enough to cause enough EMP effect damage they could roll in very quickly and take said country over to gain control of its resources and assets. That would be, you know, one possibility. Another one would be a place like Taiwan. You know, I talked about the China-Taiwan thing and how that might go down. But one way they would do it with an invasion would probably be to nuke them, to take out the technology and power, um, have that same effect enough in the region. It would be, cons- it's, it's kind of dumb, but a lot of people would take it as safer because it's like, well, you know, it's the island and a bunch of water, which is bad, instead of thinking it was just a whole bunch of land that got contaminated. And the thing is, nobody would probably do anything about it, including us. Yeah, we have this idea of you need to stay out of Taiwan, and it was really strong back during the Korean War, as I explained. But I think uh, what people miss is the idea is the legal side of international law and countries even like ours that really support the idea of China invading Taiwan. That we're not going to do nothing about it. So if you look at Hong Kong, for example, some terrible stuff went on in Hong Kong. There were a lot of protests. They got violent. This went on several times in the last few years. What did we do? We said, you know, you probably should stop doing that. That's what we did. We didn't do anything. Nobody really did anything. We just said things. And China saw that. What happened after that? They started getting more aggressive in Taiwan. Because we're probably not going to do anything. Because with Hong Kong, it's like a one China, two government policy or something like that. That's all Taiwan really is, at least to China. And from a legal standpoint, beside the fact we told them to stay out of Taiwan a long time ago, and people like me consider Taiwan a country, its own independent country, international law doesn't support that, and I don't think the United Nations does either. So they would probably frown on things like nuclear weapons, but nobody would probably retaliate or invade China over it. 
They probably probably wouldn't do nothing about Taiwan. Assuming they used a nuke, we probably wouldn't put our people in that position. We'd probably be like, well, that's a loss. We'd probably only try to intervene if we felt like the trade loss of losing that nation was so bad and then amplified over it being controlled by China if it even existed. And then if we could even get other people on board. And that would be a very strong likelihood that we wouldn't. So then we would see them go in there and roll in and take it over. Because they're going to see it as a one China thing, a one China policy, even if there's two governments. And if they get tired of it, they'll just roll in. And look at what happens after Hong Kong. They get more active there. But being more active, not just about, you know, flying and all the things they've done that's been dangerous and foolish. We've done nothing about any of that. They've got close to our carrier groups. We haven't really done much. We've done sanctions and stuff, but we haven't done a lot physically to get more serious about it. As they built up, built up in Spratly items over and over again, people complained. Nobody's really physically done anything. And that's sending them the message that they can just push the boundary a little more. And eventually that boundary is going to get pushed into that invasion. And probably nobody's going to do anything. And I think that's going to shock a lot of people and it shouldn't. But it, it probably, it probably will definitely shock people. But I, right now I'd be more surprised that anybody did anything. I think we would just let it happen. And that's kind of the, the way that would, that would really play out. I remember that I needed to do this too because I got this email because yesterday or the day before the president started the uh, I, I, I saw a glimpse of it but I didn't really read about it but this office or program or something for gun safety stopping gun violence the liberal side of the country that is about stopping gun violence that are trying to stop guns they're not really trying to stop gun violence I generally believe most of them have their heart in the right place. They're just going about it the wrong way. They don't, there's things they clearly don't understand. They get so emotionally attached to it, they don't do anything that's effective. My thoughts on it are very simple. That probably could have worked. I'm actually surprised something like that was not created during the Obama administration. After the last three years and the things that's gone on in the world, let alone our country, I think the timing on it was bad what they call the optics, I think are negative enough that why they think this is a good move for them that's being done for the election. It is my opinion that he just lost it. I think that's going to cost him the election right there if they if they keep that going. Yeah, with the way the polls are and the way the discussions went, I mean, it's, it's pretty much over at this point. And tough for them, I guess. But that's, that's my thoughts. We'll see how that plays out. There's still plenty of time to see what happens. You know, President Trump's still fighting court stuff and scheduling and when they're trying to do things. And a lot of it's sketchy. And, you know, we don't know how all that stuff's going to play out. So we'll see. But I, I think that's a mistake. I think they made a huge mistake. They wanted to do that and be taken seriously. They should have done it on day one. But doing it now just... Probably, probably not the, probably not the smartest plan. Other questions I get asked while I'm thinking about it were, I got asked some everyday carry questions. One of them was about money and how much money should a person carry around if they're carrying around not for everyday use. So the thing about money is 
it's funny if if you haven't done it you should watch videos or read books articles about things rich people do the poor people don't you know like a lot of people waste a lot of money so much money i know so how many people you know to drink at least one latte from starbucks or wherever a day especially the price of those anymore even if it's only five bucks a day that's like what twenty five dollars a week so what's that work out to? Ten weeks is two hundred and fifty bucks. So twelve, thirteen hundred dollars a year. Just on that. Not to mention all the other things, usually food related, or people that because of where they're going for work, they choose to pay money for some sort of restaurant type food instead of making themselves. And those that's just tip the iceberg. So many people waste money. I think people look at things like that a little more seriously. They'd find out how much extra money they have. But the thing about money, to me, it's pretty simple. If you, you want to carry around an extra, this is going to sound like a lot to some people, but I think a hundred bucks will about do it. I mean, I'd carry it in 20s, but the reason why I say a hundred bucks, in, in most Western nations, uh, the price of things are going to be somewhat similar, not always equal, but for a hundred bucks in a day, you could, I mean, you can go really far in a cab ride if you're in a city that has cabs. Obviously, you probably can't do that on Uber. You'd need a car. But we're assuming you have this 100 bucks. You don't have the capability of digital transactions. You don't have the capability of credit or debit cards. You're using cash for whatever reason. Most places, not all, but most places, you'd get a hotel room. And you'd have enough left over if you got a cheap hotel to eat a few meals. Or if there was three or four people in a family, you could probably eat once. Now, I know that's not saying much the prices of things you go a little farther you went to a grocery store but you could do that you could get a cab ride halfway across the city probably you know and get something to eat or get that hotel room hundred dollars will buy you an entry ticket into almost any entertainment event not all of them there's some that are a lot higher but a hundred bucks can go a long ways a hundred dollars will buy me groceries for a week you know I'm not really skimping on anything but I'm not getting a lot of the extras but I eat pretty good for five days by myself going to a grocery store for her bucks the reason I say that is that's typically the needs most people have you know roughly speaking a hundred bucks will probably get you gas around five dollars a gallon around 20 gallons of gas obviously that's give or take also depends on your vehicle, but let's say you're getting 20 gallons of gas and let's say your car, we'll say the average average gas mileage is at 20 because you might get 15 in a truck, you might get 30 in a car, but let's say it's 20 miles a gallon. So that's 400 miles you can drive. So a lot you can do with 100 bucks. The reason I say that though is if you translate that to a poorer nation, a third world country, I mean even in America, if you go to Mexico... The prices in Mexico are not what they were 20 years ago in comparison to the U.S. dollar. They're a lot higher, but your $100 goes a lot farther down there. You get into a true third world country, $100, it'll do a lot, especially when you're flashing it as a $100 bill, American and not local currency. There's places where $100 could buy you security for the day. People might drive you hundreds of kilometers and provide you food and water. There's places where $100 could get you a week in a hotel with food, water support, you know, a hundred bucks could buy you a car, transportation, could be a small bribe in some places, you know, probably not government officials, but it could be 
a bribe. It could do a lot of things in some nations. A hundred bucks in some places is what people make in a week or even a month. Some places even longer than that. So that's why I say a hundred bucks. So that's something to think about, especially when you travel. What nation are you going to? How much do they like the dollar? What's their currency? And common things you will do or would need while you're there. What are their prices and how's that going to work out for you? And is $100 a feasible amount of emergency funds? And you'll find in most situations, most of the time, that it absolutely is. $100 will do a lot and will usually get you out of a situation when money's required. So that's what I encourage you to look at. Figure those kind of numbers out. $100, throw them in your shoe, whatever you're going to do. Of course, you can carry it around in your pocket. I just out of sight, out of mind, if you don't trust yourself to not spend it. But the 100 bucks will do a lot for you. So that's, uh, there's your answer to that question. And yes, yeah, so I've gotten several emails and messages I'll be responding to on a better recording, clearly. And questions about, you know, when I'm going to do a show, got it. But I needed to get something out there to let people know I'm alive. But yeah, when I get Starlink in a couple of weeks, that's going to, that's definitely going to change the game quite a bit. I've been looking at building a website. I've been looking at several things to do. And now I'm going to have the ability to do those. Start working on them. So, we have more information coming. You'll get some updates. We got shows coming. The next show will be the one everybody's been waiting for. And then we'll move on from there. A lot more of the how-to stuff. I know I got a couple messages. People miss more of the how-to gray man type things. A lot less of kind of area studies. I get that. So we'll have more of that coming soon.